Welcome to the crossings. It's Super Bowl. Um, I want to call your attention to the back of your bulletins. Uh, right back here, there's a bunch of Super Bowl parties being hosted today. If you don't have plans today, or even if you do, uh, we would encourage you to break them and join us because we're going to be having parties all over the town. Um, now, there's going to be some good food today. Uh, I don't know which of you guys thinks you're going to have the best food, but if you're not at my house, you're wrong. Because uh, I got game. What? You want to challenge that? You want to challenge that? Okay, who won the chili contest last year? Who won it? Okay. We're not talking about last year, we're talking about this year. Aiden, where you at? Come on down. Listen, uh, anytime somebody makes a commitment to follow Jesus, we want to make a big deal out of that. And uh, Aiden here decided to give his life to Christ last week in baptism. Um, and so let's see here. You were studied with Ilalawa and Jaytone. Uh, so those guys can give a wave. We want to celebrate that too. Um, and so here, go ahead and take that. Sit down. Thank you, buddy. Welcome. Um, and if you're unsure, that material I gave him is some continued discipleship material. Because when somebody makes a commitment to follow the Lord, that's the first step, right? There's this misconception out there sometimes that that's like, I've made it. No, your baptism is step one. The, the working out your faith is the rest of your life. And so there's an expectation in Scripture uh, of continued learning. That's why when you look at passages like the Great Commission, uh, the final words of Jesus, kind of his marching orders to his disciples is to go out into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them. And then you, sometimes we miss the part right after that, that's teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And so there's this ongoing relationship, there's ongoing discipling, there's ongoing learning because you're taking that baby believer and you're helping them mature. And that's why we have the church family here. Some of us are further along than others on some things. Some of us have been walking with the Lord for a while. Some of you in this room are just investigating a relationship with God. And that's great, man. We're all at different places. The awesome thing about Jesus is he will meet you wherever you are. He will meet you right there, right at your maturity level. He will take you by the hand and he will start walking with you. And as you walk with Jesus, you become more like Jesus, which for me and for you, means you're not the same old person, right? And it's a, it's a, it's a walk. It's, it's not an I have arrived. It is a walk over time, right? Um, we're in the middle of a series here on the kingdom. Uh, it's called To Be Continued. It's part of our theme. We pick a teaching theme each year at the crossings that addresses what we believe are the issues we need to deal with at that time. Uh, this year, uh, we are planning to uh, form another church plant team to send out at another place. If you don't know, uh, we're a church plant. We planted this church uh, not terribly long ago. We're in the middle of renovating this facility. This church is growing. Things are going good. We're seeing new believers come in. Uh, and, and we have three other congregations. We have one in the city. Uh, we have one in O'Fallon, Missouri. We have one in Columbia, Missouri. Uh, we have campus ministries at all of our churches. We are planning this year to form a team to plant a fifth church. Um, and so we wanted to look at Acts because we believe what we are doing is just a continuation of what the early church was doing. They were going from town to town sharing their faith. They were seeing new believers come in. They were discipling people and helping them mature. Uh, we just want to continue that story in our context. We just want to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our context. And so we really wanted to dive in this year and look at the kingdom because so much of the ministry of the early church and, and the story of the book of Acts hinges on this, this, this message about the kingdom and about the king. And I think it's a message that honestly, where we have maybe in the past focused on uh, the forgiveness of sin and, and the benefits of following Jesus, maybe we haven't emphasized this kingdom message quite as much as we should have. And so we want to make sure that we all understand what is going on, okay? Now, today's lesson is entitled, The Kingdom and I. How many of you guys, that's kind of a play on words for the, the movie, how many of you have seen the movie, The King and I? 
Okay, raise your hand. Um, it's a little bit older. Uh, it's a classic. Uh, it's actually been made into a play. I think maybe that's played on Broadway. Uh, really kind of a neat story, but it's about uh, a teacher from uh, another country who goes to somewhere around Thailand to be a schoolmaster in this foreign land. And in this foreign land, there's a king, and the movie is basically a love story about how this schoolmaster falls in love with this king, uh, only there's a culture clash, right? Because this king has some values that for this Western school teacher, they just didn't line up. This king had multiple wives, you know, just the way they treated people. And so this schoolmaster, and as part of this love story, the king is needing to change, right? Because he believes some weird stuff. He believes some stuff that really isn't right that needs to change, okay? And so the whole movie is this love story about how this king needs to change to Love this lady, right. Now, our story also involves a king. But in our story, it's not the king who needs to change when we come into relationship with him, right? Isn't that good news? We don't need to get Jesus to be more like us. Who do we need to be more like? We need to be more like him. And so in our, in our kingdom story, it's not about us changing the king. It's about our changing to be like the king. Amen? And so there's some demands that are placed on our life in order for that to happen. And when I say demand, that word is almost uh, 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 negative in our minds because it's, it's like demand, right? No, no. It's going to help you be better. It's going to help you have the best life you can have. The absolute best life that you can have on planet Earth is wrapped up in how close you are to Jesus Christ. And that's just the truth. You can either believe that or not, but that is the way to have the best life. It's to live life the way he says to do it. And so I just want to walk through some passages today uh, on this theme of kingdom, uh, just for us to think some more about this. I know we've been thinking about it the last few weeks. We really want to wrap our mind around this, okay? You've got some notes in your bulletin if you want to pull those out. It's going to have most of the passages of scripture that we're going to look at. It's also got space for you to take a note or two. The first blank on your notes is number one, the kingdom is about my king. The kingdom is about my king. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. And that's it. Mike, uh, go ahead and read John 18 for us. Jesus replied, my kingdom doesn't originate from this world. If it did, my guards would have fight so that I wouldn't have been arrested by the Jewish leaders. My kingdom isn't from here. So you are a king, Pilate said. Jesus answered, you said that I am a king. I was born and came into the world for this reason, to testify to the truth. Whoever accepts the truth listens to my voice. Give me some context. It is Jesus standing before Pilate. If you've ever watched The Passion of the Christ, this is the trial right before the execution, right? This is after Jesus had been arrested at night. This is after the incident where Peter had pulled the sword out and lopped off some dude's ear. And Jesus put it back on and said, Peter, stop that. Uh, this is after he has been beaten up by the Jewish leaders, after he has been spit on, after he has been accused of blasphemy, after they have brought false witnesses to accuse him and make a case to execute him. Now they're going to take him before Pilate, who had the actual power to execute. And so they're going to convince Pilate as best they can that Jesus is a bad guy who's causing trouble in the Roman Empire. He needs to be put down, right? And so they're really trying to get him executed. And Pilate kind of sees right through this. He knows that what they're doing, like he's not a dummy, but he also knows that they can cause him a lot of trouble if they want to. Because his main role as the Roman governor was to not let riots happen, right? Like that was how he kept his job, is don't have riots. They were threatening riots if he didn't do what they wanted. So there was kind of this manipulation taking place. But in this conversation with Jesus, he brings up this idea of kingship and royalty and his, in his uh, inquisition. And Jesus' reply is, my kingdom, because Pilate says, are you really a king? Jesus says, my kingdom doesn't originate from this world. 
Have you ever noticed that before? Where did the kingdom of God originate? Where did it find its home? His kingdom is from heaven. His kingdom isn't from earth. His kingdom is higher than earth. His kingdom is other, right? It's other. And this is good for Pilate, right? Because Jesus said, if it did, my guards would fight, so I wouldn't have been arrested. You guys know Jesus has some bad dudes in his corner, right? You know, if Jesus wants to snap his fingers and have an army of angels come and handle his business, he can do that, right? Did you guys realize he had that power on the cross? It wasn't the nails that held him up there. If he wanted to get down off that cross and handle business, he could have. He had all this power at his disposal the entire time. He says right here, my, my, my guards would have messed you up. But we didn't have that today, right? I wouldn't have been arrested. He says, my kingdom isn't from here. It's from heaven, right? And so Pilate said, so you are a king. He probably thinks this guy's a nut. You are a king. And Jesus, Jesus says, you say that I'm a king. I was born and came into this world for the reason, for this reason, to testify to the truth. And he has this punchline. Whoever accepts the truth listens to whose voice? Listens to my voice. It says in the NIV, uh, whoever stands on the side of truth or whoever looks for the truth, I can't remember the exact quote, but whoever looks for truth comes to me was pretty much the, the teaching there. I am the end of the truth, right? This is a big deal. Jesus is unlike any other king that has ever existed because Jesus' king didn't originate on earth. It's cosmic. It's, it's, it's beyond us. And the, the kingdom, guys, the, the good news of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom of God, the good news of the kingdom of heaven, it is all about the king. It's all about the king. It's not about me. When I share the good news of the kingdom... The emphasis is not simply on getting my sins forgiven, right? That's how the gospel has been presented so much where people confuse. That's what the gospel is. It's about how you get your sins forgiven. No, the gospel is about the king, the king of the universe. That's first and foremost what it's about. Now, he has the power to forgive sins, praise God, but it's not about me. It's about him at the end of the day. It's not just about me. It's about him. The gospel of the kingdom, and there may be a typo on this blank, guys. This should say uh, on your notes, the gospel of the kingdom of God is about who rules my life. I think I messed that one up on your notes. The gospel of the kingdom of God is about who rules my life. It's not about me. It says in Mark 1, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. The king is here. The king is here. So repent and live to please the king. This was good news, right? Um, this is good news. Now, we used to think living under a king was bad news before we gave our lives to Christ. We used to think the only way to have a good life is to live the way I want to live, to do what I want to do to sleep with who I want to sleep with, to take what substance I want to take, to look at what I want to look at. Like, that's the way I used to think, right? It was a bad thing to have a king. But after I wrecked my life, and I realized I wasn't a very good king myself, I have learned that it's a good thing to have a good king. But that was, that was learned the hard way. I don't know where you're at. You may be in the middle of learning the hard way. Let me tell you what. It's good to have a king. I can tell you from both sides of the fence. It's good to have a king. Next, the gospel of the kingdom of heaven is about where the authority to rule my life originated. The gospel of the kingdom of heaven is about where the authority to rule my life originated. So where did the kingdom originate? We already said heaven. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. Whenever Jesus is proclaiming the kingdom of heaven, I defined this for you a couple of weeks ago. 
Kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God. Anybody remember what it means? It means the royal reign of God. Very important, okay? Kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God. Does anybody remember what it means? I'm sorry, are we awake? It means the royal reign of God. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, what does it mean? The royal reign of God. We're going to repeat that in the coming weeks. This is a very important concept for you to understand. When you say you are part of the kingdom of God, you are saying there is a king and it's not me. When you say you're part of the kingdom of God, you're saying God is in charge and I am not. When you say you're part of the kingdom of God, whenever your feelings don't line up with Jesus' feelings, whose feelings need to change? Yours do. Whenever you say you're part of the kingdom of God and your attitudes or your anger or your habits or the way you treat your family or friends, if that doesn't line up with how Jesus operates, who needs to change? You do. The king does not need to change. You do. And if you say you're part of the kingdom of God, you need to understand who is in charge, and you need to understand that his authority did not originate here. His authority is from heaven. His authority is eternal. When he tells you to do something, it's not to harm you. It's not to ruin your good time. It's not because he wants you to miss out on something. It's because he's telling you how you can have the best life possible. That's, that's our good king. He's not just trying to ruin your fun. He's trying to help you have the very best life you can have. And that's the point of all of his teaching. That's the point of everything he asks us to do. It's for our good. But we don't believe that sometimes, right? Especially for me, like, I'm going to miss out on something if I do. Well, no. You need to listen to the king. The king is in charge in heaven, and he's in charge everywhere else as well. Philippians 2. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name that is above all other names, that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. You ever notice that? Who's in charge? Jesus. Where is he in charge? Everywhere. What does that leave out? You guys are smart. Nothing. Everywhere. Right? He's in charge everywhere. This is comprehensive. This is all-inclusive. This is the king who never gets unelected. He never loses his power. There's never going to be a rebellion that, that, that overcomes him, right? He is in charge, and he is in charge for eternity. You can take it to the bank. Take it to the bank. And so we have to decide, are we going to honor this king now by bending our knee, or are we going to honor this king later by bending our knee? I don't want you to confuse the fact that your knee is going to bend, because it is. If you go your whole life and you're rebellious and you just walk through giving God the finger, right? Through your attitudes and your actions. And that's how you live. Guess what's going to happen someday? Your knee is going to bow and you're going to reap what you have sown. Because at the end of the day, God is going to have the final say. And at the end of the day, whether you choose now or later, your knee will bow because you are not in charge and I am not in charge. He is in charge. And man, all he's doing, like when he comes and teaches, whenever he gives us the scriptures, whenever he puts people in our life that love him, that want to share about him with us, all he is doing is trying to get you to do the wise thing now, which is to give him the control and the honor and the praise that is due him now and not to wait until later. And he tells us, guys, so explicitly that if you put this off, if you're rebellious in your life, you're going to have to face the consequences for your actions. If you fake it your whole life, man, the Bible talks about there's going to be people in the church who just fake it. Seriously, there's going to be people that fake it that pretend to be disciples, but really they're not. They just want pats on the back from people. 
They're not really concerned with God at the end of the day. They just really want praise from people. Jesus knows all that. He's going to see it. He knows our hearts, right? He's pleading with us just to get our hearts right. We've got to understand who's in charge. We also need to understand, guys, death, when we get to the end, it's not passage into a new kingdom if we're children of God. It's just passage into the kingdom we were a part of when we were here. The question is not, will I get into heaven when I die? If that's the question you're asking, you're asking the wrong question. The question is not, will I get into heaven? The question is, who is your king now? Because all standing before the Lord is, is going to be, who was your king in life? Did you live like it, or did you fake it, or did you just never, never really give in in the first place, right? We're going to have to give an account for that. Who is my king? The gospel of the kingdom is about where the authority originates. It's also about an amazing king. The gospel of the kingdom is about an amazing king. There's a passage in Revelation 1 where John just kind of gives you a rundown of some of the characteristics of Jesus. And I want to look at this um, because this just kind of encapsulates some of the characteristics that I want to call attention to. He is amazing. It says, and from Jesus Christ, Revelation 1, 5, and 6, from Jesus Christ, look at this, the faithful witness. Jesus Christ is faithful, right? This means he never falters. This means he doesn't tell lies. He's faithful. You can count on what he says. He doesn't have a bad day where he now acts out of negative emotions and treats you bad because he's having a bad day. You know, God doesn't do that. He has emotions, but he's not ruled by them. He doesn't make bad, sinful decisions because of them, right? He's faithful. From Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead. Why, is it, why does the Bible call him that? Because he rose from the dead. He's the firstborn. In other places, it says he's the first fruits of those who are to come. You and I are going to rise from the dead someday, just like Jesus did. We're going to rise from the dead. We're going to have to give an account to the Lord for the way that we lived. With Jesus comes resurrection power. With Jesus uh, comes the, the power to have the dead raised, right? He's the source of this. Uh, keep going. The firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings over the earth. He's in charge, right? To him who loves us. Notice, he loves us. It says it right here. Do you guys ever feel small when, when you're like around a celebrity or somebody that's getting tons and tons of attention? Like if you went to a presidential rally and stood out in the crowd of 100,000 people, I would feel very small. I would feel very unimportant in a crowd like that. And uh, the thing is, Donald Trump is never going to know your name. Joe Biden's never going to know your name. Whoever the next president is probably never going to know your name. They're never going to pay any attention to you. Whether you live or die isn't going to make a difference to them at all. They're, they're never even going to know who you are. Guys, Jesus isn't like that. Jesus is infinitely more powerful than any of those guys that I just mentioned. And he knows every single one of you by your name. He knows every single one of you by your name. That blows my mind, right? He made you. He spoke you into existence. Did you guys know the Bible says Jesus is the one who created the world? He's the one that created you. Go read Colossians 1. He's responsible for creation. He knows you. Not only that, guys, he knows you better than you know you. And he loves you. You say, but I've spit in God's face. Yeah, me too. It says in, in, in Romans 5 that while you were God's enemies, he loved you. You know, it's one thing to be loved when you're doing right. It's another thing to be a complete hellion. I mentioned earlier being really rebellious toward God. While you're really rebellious toward God, he loves you more than he's ever loved you before. 
He just loves you too much to leave you that way. He wants you to turn away from that garbage, not because he needs your praise or he needs the relationship. He wants the relationship with you. He wants you to have a good life. He doesn't want to punish you. He doesn't want you to choose death instead of life. He wants you to be whole, but he leaves it up to us, right? He loves you. He knows you. My king is a forgiving king to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, right? He forgives us and made us a kingdom, priest to serve his God and Father. He's a transformative king. He loves us. He forgives us. He transforms us. Priest to serve God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. My king is a worthy king. He's worthy of my praise. And my king is a ruling king. His dominion extends forever. So guys, he's loving. He's forgiving. He's got the door open to relationship with me. He's graceful. He's in charge. And he wants a relationship with you. We're going to take communion today. We take communion every week at the crossings. We either do it here in the assembly or we do it in our small groups. But the reason we do that is precisely because we need a weekly reminder that the king loves me. He wants a relationship with me. Guys, whether we are close to Jesus or not isn't up to Jesus it's up to us whether we invest in that relationship or not. But the, the truth is the, the, the door is open relationally for all of you. Guys, you can talk to him. You can spend time with him. You can get to know him. He's real and he's present and he loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And what life is with the king you know, the, the Bible pictures Jesus, a lot, in a lot of places, it pictures Christianity as a walk. Uh, like you put one foot in front of the other. And if you just want a visual, whenever you're with Jesus and doing life with Jesus, you decide you want this relationship with him. What you're doing is you're saying, I'm going to take the king's hand and I'm going to walk with the king. And as I get to know Jesus, I'm going to learn there are some things Jesus likes and some things Jesus doesn't like. There are going to be some values that Jesus has that maybe I don't have yet. There's going to be some things that Jesus asked me to think about or Jesus asked me to do that I maybe hadn't put a whole lot of thought into before. There's going to be other friends that are trying to follow Jesus, that may give me some feedback that they've learned in their walk with Jesus that I need, some things that I need to learn. And what life is, what life is, is, is daily getting up and saying, am I going to hold the hand of the king? And am I going to walk with the king through life, trying to be close to him, or today, am I just going to forget the king and, and am I going to go into business for myself? And that's what life is. It's getting up daily and deciding, am I going to follow the king and walk closely or am I going to do something else? And what helps me remember that I need to be close to him is really remembering his love for me. And that's what communion reminds me of every week. We looked at those characteristics of Jesus, guys. One of the primary reasons I think he wanted us to take communion every week is because at the core of our being, God knows we need to know that he loves us and we're doubters. And what communion is a reminder of is it is a reminder that we serve a king who was willing to lay out on a cross and let himself be killed unjustly just so that I would have a chance. That's a pretty big deal, right? I can have my sins forgiven because the king took my punishment himself. Can you imagine a politician 
doing this for you? No. Sure can't. Not unless there wasn't any pain. Not unless there wasn't any real death. If it was a photo op where it could look like it hurt, if it was a photo op where it looked like they died, yeah. If there was no real sacrifice involved, yeah. That's not what our king is like. Jesus isn't some politician. He's not trying to woo you to get your vote, right? He's not trying to tell you what you want to hear to make you like him. Matter of fact, he'll tell you stuff you don't want to hear that he knows is not going to sit well with you, but he'll do it because it's the truth, and he'll do it because he knows it's what you need, right? He's always going to be faithful in giving you what you need. And what some of you need today is you need to know that God cares about you and he loves you and that you can trust him. That's what you need today. And that's what communion is for. Because when we take this bread, it represents his body that was broken. When we take this cup, it represents his blood that was spilled. God is a good king and he loves you enough that he was willing to lay out on that cross, not because he had to, but because he knew you needed to know this is how much I love you. It was all about you. He wants you to know he cares and he loves you and he wants to give you a good life. Just think about that as we take communion today. I'm going to pray. Um, we're going to pass some trays. It's got some juice and a little cracker in there. Uh, we take this just to remember Jesus' body was broken. His blood was spilled. The reason he did it is because the king really loves me. And God wants that to make a difference in your life. Let me pray for us. God, as we take communion today, help us learn to trust the king. Some of us are scared to walk with the king because we've got habits we're hanging on to that we're afraid to give up. Some of us have got addiction. Some of us uh, may have taken some drugs before we came to church today because we just need them to get through the day. Some of us maybe are thinking more about the game today than we are about our relationship with you, and that's kind of how we think throughout life. We don't really make the most important things the most important things. God, some of us in here are struggling with things that we've never told anybody about because we're embarrassed and we're afraid. Some of us in here aren't really sure that you're there. We're not even really sure we believe there's a God. We struggle with doubt, but we feel shame and we don't tell anybody about it because we're afraid somebody may not think of us the way we want to be thought of. God, some of us are more preoccupied with getting a boyfriend or a girlfriend than we are with anything else, and that's our real reason for being here today. God, we've got such a mixture of hearts and motives in here, some pure, some impure. But Father, we also know you meet us wherever we are. And so for all of us, Lord, I just pray you give us what we need to help us see you a little more clearly. Help us to know the cross is for us, even if we feel like complete scumbags today because we know we're not living right. Help us to know the cross is for us. Help us to know these people in here who love you are for us and that they can help us too. Help us to trust you a little bit more today. Help us to take action in that and not just to sit on what we know we should do and not do it. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Number two, the kingdom. First of all, it's about the king. Secondly, the kingdom is about how my king reigns. It's about how my king reigns. Um, in Luke 17, Jesus is interacting with some Pharisees, and he has an interesting exchange with them. Uh, we're going to read this out of the Good News Bible because I actually like the way this translation renders this, uh, some of the Greek in this passage. Um, it says, some Pharisees asked Jesus when the kingdom of God would come. 
His answer was, the kingdom of God does not come in such a way as to be seen. No one will say, look, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. Now, if you're just joining us in this series, um, I've touched on this before, but it probably bears explanation again. Uh, For the Jews in the first century, there was an expectation that the Messiah was going to come soon. For them, the Messiah, Messiah means anointed one, it means king in their religion. All through their scriptures, there were predictions that someday a king is going to come that's going to sit on the throne of David, who was a Jewish king at one time, uh, and he's going to be unlike any king that's ever existed before. And And God spoke to men over centuries telling them someday this was going to happen, someday this is going to happen, someday this is going to happen. So there was this expectation among the Jews in Jesus' day that the Messiah would soon come. And the thought was, the Messiah is going to be a military king. He's going to fight the Romans. He's going to vanquish our enemies. The Pharisees are a group of men uh, who thought the king would come if they practiced the law just right. And so the whole motivation for a lot of their conflict with Jesus is they disagreed with his understanding of the Bible, their law, uh, and they thought if people listened to Jesus and did things his way, they were going to be violating the Bible, therefore the Messiah wasn't going to come, therefore they would still be slaves to Rome. So for the Pharisees, there there was a lot attached to hating Jesus. They saw Jesus as the one who was going to keep the Messiah from coming, and people like him, false teachers. They guarded against that stuff precisely because they wanted the Messiah to come. The problem is they thought the Messiah was going to be a warrior king that would fight the Romans. They didn't understand Jesus was the Messiah, but he wasn't there to fight the Romans. What was Jesus there to fight? Sin. Jesus was there to fight sin. His enemy was sin. His enemy was death. Do you know Jesus was also going to fight death? Jesus came to fight the enemies of humanity. His kingdom is cosmic. His kingdom fights the enemy of everybody. It doesn't just fight the Romans, who happened to be the enemy of the Jews in the first century, right? Way bigger than that. The enemies of humanity were on his agenda to take on for all time. And so these Pharisees are coming and asking Jesus about the kingdom, and Jesus' response Because they thought the kingdom of God is going to have a palace, it's going to have an army. Jesus' response says, no, the kingdom doesn't come like that. There's not going to be a palace, there's not going to be an army. Nobody's going to say, look, here it is or there it is, right? Because the kingdom of God is where? It's within you. Okay, quick review. Kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven means what? The royal reign of God right? When Jesus says the kingdom of God is within you, the kingdom of God shows up in God's reign over your heart. It's all about the heart. The king reigns in my heart. When you say, how does the king reign? The king reigns in my heart. It's in my heart. Now, this is one of those terms that we throw around uh, that I think can be misunderstood. I want to define this with some precision, okay? When the Bible talks about the heart, it is talking about who you are on the inside that nobody else can see. All of us have like an inner conversation, right? That little voice that you're talking to yourself in your your mind. Now, that little voice that you used to talk to yourself in your mind, you may be sitting across the table uh, with a big smile on your face, talking to somebody, thinking this person is a complete idiot right? You've done it, okay? You may get that assignment from your boss with a smile on your face while thinking something not so great about your boss that you don't say, right? But that's your heart. That's, that's the inner conversation. Now, this is, this is what you're really afraid of, okay? Sometimes I deal with men. Frequently, I deal with men who are afraid of relationships. And the reason they're afraid of relationships is because 
They are deeply wounded, usually because of something that happened growing up. Either they didn't get something from their mom or dad, or they were rejected, or they had some kind of trauma. They were abused. They have some kind of trauma, right? But maybe they haven't even identified that. And so you start getting to be friends with somebody, you start getting closer, and then the walls come up. But they don't say the walls come up. They just quit returning phone calls, right? Or they quit coming to discipleship group, or they quit whatever. The truth is they are afraid because you're getting too close to something that they don't want anybody to know. Now, sometimes the things that they don't want somebody to know is just that they're scared. But they're men, right? So we got to be tough. Now, on the inside, in their heart, they know that. You know, some of you guys struggle with insecurity, and you know you're insecure, but you've never admitted it because that's scary, right? But it's in your heart. This is all stuff that's in your heart. Here's the thing, guys. God can see all that stuff. He can see all that stuff. But whether you let anybody else in or not is really up to you because in your heart, that's where your home really is, right? That's who you really are. You get to decide whether you're going to let anybody in your real home or not. We call that vulnerability. Jesus is telling these guys who were very preoccupied with externals. Like the the Pharisees, they were known for uh, making a big show out of everything. Like if they went to donate at the synagogue, they wanted to bring coins because the coins would make a noise when they threw them in the plate. Let's throw that down their heart. You know, they wanted everybody to hear. Let's, let's get this thing going, right? They wanted to stand out on the street corners and they wanted to hold their hands up and pray real loud because they wanted everybody walking by and say, look how holy that guy is, right? They wanted all those pats on the back. The Pharisees, that was their goal. If they could get somebody to give them praise that day, that was their goal. Just give me the praise. Let me do the external so that you can give me the pats on the back and tell me what a holy person I am. That was their goal, right? Jesus is confronting that because Jesus knew those guys in their hearts, they weren't real disciples. You know, while they wanted all that external praise and they wanted to make an external show of faith, Jesus knew in their hearts they didn't really love God and they didn't really love people. And it showed up in the way they lived. Because they treated people like pieces of trash. If they thought you were dirty, they wouldn't even look at you. If you were a woman, they would cover their face up because they thought women were the source of evil in the world because of the story of Adam and Eve. I'm I'm being serious. They were called bloody-faced Pharisees because if they were walking through the marketplace, if the woman walked by, they would cover their face up and sometimes they would fall downstairs. I'm not even joking. And that was like a good thing. Good thing you didn't let her tempt you, you know. But that's how they treated people. And Jesus, man, there's not a whole lot that just pissed Jesus off. But the thing that really made him mad was when people got mistreated by others, especially people in power. He would get ticked off about that stuff. And he didn't put up with it. And that's the kind of stuff that happens when God isn't really in control in your heart. You're just going through the motions. If you are going through life treating people bad, if you're losing your temper, or if you're looking down on people, even if you're quiet about it, if you just are snotty in your attitude, that's unchristlike. And see, the thing with Jesus reigning in your heart When you really start letting Jesus reign in your heart, he confronts those attitudes of the heart. He confronts that narrative where you're calling somebody an idiot and a loser. He confronts that narrative where uh, you're you're just dogging people inside. That's where Jesus confronts your behavior. You guys know your character starts on your heart, right? And, And whenever you become a kingdom person, Jesus wants to transform your character. He doesn't just want you to come to church on Sundays. He doesn't just want you to go to a prayer group. Like, he wants to change who you are from the inside out. 
And that's the difference between a real kingdom person and somebody who's faking it. Is a person who's really serious about the kingdom of God and who's really invested in their relationship with God, it's not just going to be about externals. It's not just going to be about the praise you get. It's going to be about Jesus ruling your heart and changing you from the inside out. That's authentic versus fake. Pharisee, fake. Jesus, real. You see two different lives. You see two different ways of treating people. You see two different focuses. The Pharisees were about themselves. Who was Jesus about? Was he just about himself? It's a big difference, right? It's a big difference. The kingdom of God is within you. The king promises to put his words in our hearts. This is the promise of the new covenant. This is Jeremiah uh, 31. Um, Judaism was all about Mosaic law, right? Following the first five books of the Old Testament, following all those laws. This was how they practiced their faith. That wasn't a bad thing. It was just a thing for their time. It was to lead up to what was going to come later that would be better, and that's in Jesus. And in Jeremiah 31, uh, Jeremiah prophesies when, what it's going to be like when the king comes. It says, um, it, will be, it will not be like the agreement I made with their ancestors, talking about the Mosaic law. I made that agreement when I took them by the hand and brought them out of Egypt. I was their master, but they broke that agreement. This message is from the Lord. In the future, I will make this agreement with the people of Israel. This message is from the Lord. I will put my teachings in their minds. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. People will not have to teach their neighbors and relatives to know the Lord because all people from the least to the most important will know me. This message is from the Lord. I will forgive them for the evil things they did and I will not remember their sins anymore. This is talking about the new covenant, right? This is what it's going to be like when Jesus comes. It's not going to be about following that old written code. It's going to be about learning to be like Jesus. When I look at the life of Jesus and I know my, in my heart, this is what Jesus is like, I know that I need to treat people a certain way. I know that I need to be compassionate, that I need to be patient, that I need to be loving. Why? Because that's what Jesus is like. See, before, the people would have to look at that written code and say, because it's in the law of Moses, I need to do this, 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 and this. Guys, now we have a person to look at in Jesus. We have a... Uh, uh, a Holy Spirit, Jesus' Spirit, to come alongside us and hold us by the hand. We have a much different relationship with God because it's not about following a written code. It's not about ceremony. It's not about what kind of food I eat or what uh, type of clothing I wear. It's about giving Jesus control of my thoughts. It's about giving Jesus control of my feelings. It's about giving Jesus control of my character it's about becoming like Jesus from the inside out. It's much different. Uh, God expects this loyalty to be heart level. In Matthew 15, we'll close with this uh, next couple of passages here. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce. We see over and over, guys, God knows when we're faking it. He's quoting Isaiah here. Um, but this was a problem. You know, they had just religious people who were just going through the motions. They were going to church. Why? Because that's what was expected of them. Because they wanted pats on the back. You know, whatever it might be, they wanted to look righteous. But Jesus is like, they're not for real. He knows. You need to be for real. The heart is so important that God tells us to guard it above everything. In Proverbs 4.23, above everything else, guard your heart because everything you do comes from it. So if you struggle with anger, if you struggle with conflict, if you struggle with um, whatever it might be, guys, those are heart issues. Your, your character, like what comes out of your mouth, what your habits are, what your actions are, all that is indicative of what's in your heart. So if you're losing your temper or whatever, all that's a heart issue. It's going to come out. So you need to guard that. You've got to resolve the heart issue if you're going to get better. The king reigns in my heart through faith. In Ephesians 3, that the king may make his home in your hearts through what? Faith. Okay? Faith is four things. It is belief. A lot of times when people see the word faith, 
uh, I think there's some confusion about it. It is belief, but it's more than belief. When I say belief, I mean mental assent. I believe God is there. I believe Jesus is the Son. I mentally believe those things. But can you mentally believe Jesus is the Son of God and live like a hellion? Yes. Does that mean you have faith? No. It doesn't, because faith is more than just belief. It's also loyalty. It's also trust, and it's also obedience. A better way to think of faith is allegiance. If you want biblical faith, it's, you think of it like allegiance. Uh, whenever you decide to become a Christian, you're pledging allegiance to God to live for him. If your faith experience just involves a mental ascent with no change in your action, I would say you don't have biblical faith, and God would too. There's been a misunderstanding somewhere if you have thought that you had. Uh, the king will make his home in your heart through faith. You say, I want a relationship with the king. You need to put your faith in Jesus. Guys, this, this is more than just saying, I believe in Jesus. This is, I believe in Jesus, and I'm going to try to follow him. Right? That's faith. That's biblical faith. And all that to say, the king's reign shows up in my life. If you say you're a kingdom person, you're not going to be the same old person. You're not going to be the same old person when you submit to the king. If you have become a Christian and changed nothing, I would just like you to investigate whether you really became a Christian or not. Because becoming a Christian, giving your life to Christ, means your values that you had before Jesus now need to be aligned with the values that Jesus has. And there is always change because I guarantee none of us have nailed life before Christ. And we're not going to nail it after Christ, but we're going to have help, right? But there's going to be change. There's going to be a uh, cause, the reign of Jesus, and there's going to be the effect, my changed life. Um, now, as a kingdom man or a kingdom woman, our top priority has got to be to honor God. <clears throat> In Matthew 6.33... Jesus says, make your top priority God's kingdom and his way of life. Young's literal. I like the way it puts uh, reign of God here. He says, seek ye first the reign of God. I like that. And his righteousness. Um, that's a good rendering there uh, in terms of just understanding. The reign of God. That's the kingdom of God. Seek that first in your life. And, and Jesus says in this passage, everything else God is going to take care of. All your basic needs, they're going to take care of. Uh, God's going to take care of if you'll just make seeking him first your priority. Jesus encourages us to pray for the king's reign to show up in my life in the world. In Matthew 6.10, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when I live for the king, I access power for my life that I've never accessed before. In 1 Corinthians 14.20, God's kingdom is not just talk, it's power. It's not just about being religious. Guys, there is actual power to this. And we'll close with this today, guys. When I'm living for the king, my life's not going to be the same, right? My values are going to be different in a way that may make me look kind of funny to the people around me. So... It says uh, in 1 Peter 1, this letter is from Peter. This is his intro. This letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He says, I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Uh, he's not just saying that because they were Jews who were spread out. He's saying that uh, because they were disciples of Christ who were foreigners on planet Earth. He says a little bit later uh, to live as foreigners, live as aliens and strangers in this world. Why? Because our values are so different from the world around us. We're like aliens and strangers because our home isn't here. Where is our home, church? Our home is in heaven. That's right. That's where the kingdom is ultimately going to be. But it starts here because what is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of heaven? It's God's royal reign in your life. 
Whenever you submit to God's reign in your life, you're not going to be the same old person. You're not going to have the same old values. You're not going to think the same old way. You're not going to do the same old things. Why? Because you have a king now who has different priorities than what you had without a king. You're not going to talk to people the same way. You're not going to look at people the same way. You're not going to treat people the same way. Why? Because you have a king now who loves those people that aren't connected to him, and he wants to use you to help those people get connected to him. Amen? It's going to change everything when you start walking with the king. But whether you walk with the king or not, guys, Jesus does not force himself on anybody. He opens his hands, he holds his hand out and says, hey, I'll walk with you. But at the end of the day, he doesn't force himself on any of you. If you want a relationship with the king, it is 100% up to you. You can accept it or you can reject it or you can fake it. Those are all options available to you. But Jesus doesn't want you to do anything other than have a close and authentic relationship with him. That's what Jesus wants for you. Um, we would like to help you with that here at the crossings. Uh, there's a cardstock piece of paper in your bulletin that looks like this, if you would like to pull that out. Uh, it's got space here for you to put your information on it. And if there's anything we can do to help you today, we would really like to do that. Now, some of you guys are here and you haven't given your life to Jesus. Maybe this is your first time uh, coming to the crossings. Maybe this is uh, a new in kind of investigation that you're making into what life with God might be like. I would like to just say, hey, welcome. Um, you're in a safe place. You're in a place where nobody's going to look down on you for thinking something different or believing different. Nobody's going to look down on you for having a question. If you don't believe the Bible can be trusted, welcome to the crossings. If you want to talk with somebody about it, we'll talk with you about it. Uh, if you're not really sure if there's a God, welcome to the crossings. That's, man, I've been there, okay? A lot of us in here have been there. Uh, the thing with the Bible and the thing with this faith stuff we're talking about is there's evidence for all of it. Uh, so we're not without that. If you want to have a conversation with somebody about that stuff, indicate on your card that you'd like a personal Bible study. And that sounds very formal, but really it's a couple of friends, probably the guys that brought you or the ladies. Uh, we'll, we'll just have a chat with you and show you some stuff. Uh, if you are interested in greater community, if you're here today and, and you say, man, I'd like to follow God, but I really feel lonely. I feel like I don't have anybody in my corner. Uh, I need some help. Indicate on your card that you'd like to learn more about our small group ministry. Uh, what we do here is we connect people in groups that are smaller than this assembly because that's how you really get to know people uh, is around a table more than it is, you know, looking at the back of somebody's head on Sunday. Um, so if you need a support group, if you need help, that's what our small group ministry is for. Um, if you need help with other stuff, guys, we've got all kinds of support groups and counseling groups. We help people with childhood sexual abuse, trauma. Uh, we help people uh, that are struggling in their marriages. We help people that are struggling with their finances. There's all kinds of different things that we help people with and have resources for. Uh, and all of those are rooted in, in what God's word says on those issues. And so we point people to God's truth um, and, and really just try to, try to help people where they are. Uh, I'm going to pray for us, and then our worship team is going to come up here and sing a song. During that song, you can fill that card out and just let us know whatever we can help you with. Then we're going to sing one more song, and we'll pass some baskets, and you can put your card in those baskets. We also have Super Bowl parties all over. I, I mentioned this at the beginning, but go to a Super Bowl party today. If you, want, uh, if you really want to see God work in your life, start hanging out with some people who are also trying to seek God. And little things like this are just opportunities for you to hang out with people. Guys, relationships are super duper important. If you don't spend any time with people, I mean, you're going to be an acquaintance, but you're not really going to be a friend. And when you can get to be really good friends with people that are also seeking God, God does some amazing things. Don't just stay an acquaintance if you've been coming to the crossings. Become friends with some of these folks and just watch how God works. I'm going to pray and then uh, we'll move on to closing out, okay? Thank you for your attention today. God, uh, thank you again for bringing us together. Uh, thank you for this church, Lord. I love seeing new people become Christians. I love 
uh, seeing just the growth in individual lives of people that I know, uh, people that I know who are getting over issues uh, and stuff that's just, you know, been plaguing them for years, but they're finding freedom from that. It, there's so much to celebrate. I want to say a special prayer today for uh, Tommy Kelly. Tommy is a friend of a lot of ours who's in the hospital right now recovering. Um, we got some good news about him this past week, uh, being responsive uh, to those that were uh, interacting with him. Uh, but God, he's still in really bad shape. We want to pray specifically for his lungs to get better because he's on a ventilator, he's got pneumonia, and God, we need his lungs to get better. So we want to pray your healing power on his lungs. Uh, and God, just help us to have a great day today with uh, our friends hanging out in the Super Bowl. Um, and just help us to be more like you every day. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.